welcome back to another episode of Love and Color. As always, this is Eli alongside Dr. Katrina Sanford. Peace and blessings, y'all. And today, we are going to be talking about attachment styles. Oh, attachment style. Yeah. And so, <clears throat> in preparation for this episode, I took a couple attachment style quizzes. One that uh, I found in the book Attached um, by Dr. Amir Levine and Rachel Heller. And this is, I mean, it's, it's the most common book on attachment I've seen. Um, it's called Attached, The New Science of Adult Attachment and how it can help you find and keep love. So they had a few attachment quizzes in that book. Uh, I took a quiz for to determine my attachment style, and then there was also a quiz for determining your partner's attachment style. So I took both of those, and I found that it had a serious bias for monogamy, and so I texted Dr. Katrina and I asked her if she had any non-monogamy specific um, quizzes for attachment that I could take. And she responded and said, no, she didn't. But she did have a quiz that she would, you know, give her clients. So I took that quiz and that quiz was just, it had a little less of a monogamy bias, I found, uh, but it still wasn't wasn't quite perfect. Yep. It was close enough. I, I scored secure for both right. of them. Um, the, the thing that I liked about the quizzes in Attached was that I was also able to take a quiz to determine my partner's attachment style. And I thought that was really helpful <clears throat> as well. Hmm. That one's interesting, though. That makes me nervous. People out here trying to figure out their partner's attachment <laughs> style. <laughs> Uh. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, I guess it could be a little sketchy, but it's it's more based on what you observe observe yeah. of that other person's behavior, right? Um, you know, had uses distancing strategies, emotional or physical. Ha, has had the partner had a previous partner for six years, but they lived in separate households, or they preferred to go sleep at home, um, to use separate blankets, or to sleep in a separate bed. So you're you're answering these questions based on your observations. Yeah, and based on that, I think I it the the quiz results said that. Well, my re remaining partner, I actually took it for both. I took mm -hmm. it for the partner that I still have. And I took it for the partner that I recently broke up with. Okay. And both of those results were fairly consistent with how I actually perceived hmm. the relationship. Okay. So my, my remaining partner is secure, securely attached. Yeah. And my partner who I had to break up with was anxious avoidant. Hmm. Okay. And that, you know, is consistent with what was a struggle ultimately in the relationship. So I was like, oh, this is actually pretty accurate. Aside from the, the, um, the sort of heterosexual monogamy bias right. of, the, of the, the, the test, the results seemed like they were, you know, more or less accurate. Yeah. For I my mean, situation. I also think, if anything, you taking it 
based on your perception and then having your partner take it and then having a discussion about it. I think that's key because sometimes we see ourselves differently, right? Right. But what people see on the outside. Right. You know? Well, I did tell her, I, I did tell the girl that I took the quiz. But before I took the quiz, I I was curious to see how she felt about it. You know, and she she said that she felt securely attached. But I also know her to be avoidant in general. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, I was curious, like, okay, well, let me see what this quiz is actually going to say. Is it going to say that, you know, she is avoidant or is it going to be consistent with what her perception was? So I took the quiz. I told her that it, you know, what the results were. She hasn't taken the quiz. I don't believe she's taken the quiz for herself yet. Or if she has, she hasn't told me what the results are. But I don't actually think it's going to be that far off from, you know, yeah. What she already thinks it is. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, you know, that's the interesting thing about attachment styles, too, that I think a lot of people aren't aware of is that, you know, you may start with a particular, and we'll talk about this in more detail a little bit later in the show, but you may start with a particular attachment style based on how you attach to your parents or guardians or whomever, you know, raised you, but that can change based on other relationships and how you connect with other people and what you learn about yourself. So, and you know, I also took the quiz. Um, I've taken several quizzes over the years. Um, and I, I also wound up with secure attachment. And what I like about the quiz that I sent you that we'll also probably wind up putting up on the website so that everyone else can check it out, including the book that Eli mentioned. Um, but what I like about the quiz that I sent to you was it also breaks down some of the attachment styles based on percentages. So if you wind up having characteristics of some of the other attachment styles, it'll tell you, quote unquote, how much, right? Right. And so that's helpful too, because you get an idea, oh, okay, so these characteristics fit me, but also these over here. And it gives you a a better idea of how you engage in emotional relationships with people. It is true. And I I did note that. I I did note that about the percentages and I liked it. I don't think I, I remember exactly, but there was one that I got absolutely zero. And that was the, was it the preoccupied? What was it? The that, that is one. Yeah. yeah preoccupied. Okay. I was not that at all. It was like a zero. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, I was the majority secure. It was like over 62%. Okay. And then 18%. I think it was 18% each of the other two, if that math adds up. J- okay. Just about, yeah. Yeah. Well, and, you know, so we're sitting here and we're talking about our attachment styles, but, like, what is attachment? Right. That's a question. Right. And if you all haven't guessed by now, what we're talking about are um, different attachment styles. We're going to talk about how to manage your relationships with attachment in mind and also how to work towards a healthy attachment. That's, that's, Absolutely. those are the things that we are hoping to touch on today. So yes, I think a great place to start is, you know, what is attachment? Yeah. I mean, I know this is something that's talked about a lot. It's become pretty popular and I'm, I'm actually pretty thankful for that because I think it is important for us to reflect on how we show up in relationships and why we show up in relationships in that way. And, you know, attachment simply is like, the emotional relationship that you have with individuals in your life and 
how you exchange comfort, care, pleasure, and then, you know, some of the more negative things that we also exchange in relationships as well. And and one of the things, you know, just, just so people are aware, there's been a whole bunch of research over the years. They really started in psychology specifically, started looking into attachment really hard in the like 60s and 70s. And one of the things that I found interesting was some of the research that's, that some of the researchers were doing. And one thing in particular was um, this researcher named John Bowlby, and he did this research using monkeys. And basically, he set up a monkey that had a soft cover or uh, a monkey mother that was fake that had a soft covering. And then he also set up one that had a hard covering. And the monkeys that wind up that wound up being around the mother that had the hard covering wound up cowering in the corner and not feeling loved and cared for simply because there wasn't even just a softness for them to connect to. And that was like a simple way to look at attachment. You know, certainly there's other emotional components to it, but even as young little babies, we need that comfort. We need that care. We need that touch. We need that love and warmth. And then also just to add, just so that, you know, there's some clarity with what characteristics are important with attachment, you know, proximity, maintenance. So like when you see a little kid and they're with their mother and, you know, they look at mom and then they run and go play over in the corner, but they still look back to see mom and and they're fine. That's secure attachment. Like how close is mom? Do I feel safe in this environment? Yeah, I can be around strangers, but I would actually prefer to be around my mom. But being able to not be so upset when they're not around mom, dad, guardian, whomever, right? And they are able to be soothed pretty quickly when they get back to the to the parent. And then there's just safety. Like, do I feel safe here? Do I feel safe in your arms? Do I feel safe with this this attachment figure, this person that raises me? And having a secure base, someplace to always come back to, right? Which is, you know, for many of us, what our families are. I can just go back to my family and they got my back, right? That, that kind of secure base. And then what happens when you are separated? You know, how quickly do you get distressed? How quickly are you soothed? Those are some things that are involved with attachment. And that's specifically when we're little kids, right? What but are that, your protest behaviors? Right, right, Exactly. But that stuff starts changing as you get older, and it looks differently sometimes with romantic partners. And it definitely, your attachment styles can look different depending on your your partner, right? And how they respond, what their attachment style is, and how it supports and or bumps against your attachment style. So I want, I wonder if you can tell us about a few things in a little bit of a greater detail. So. You mentioned the the child and the situation, you know, if they're playing in the park and they want to see how far away mom is or how far away the caregiver is. Can you tell us a little bit about the strange situation test and and how that fits into the development of attachment theory and these the various attachment styles that we're aware of right now? Yeah. Um, so this is another study that another researcher did, and she observed children between the ages of of 12 and 18 months 
responding to a situation in which, you know, they were left alone briefly and then reunited with um, their caregiver. At this point um, in her research, it was uh, mothers mostly. Um, and, And so parent and child were alone in a room. And then the child, you know, explores with the parent in the room and then a stranger enters the room and talks to the parent and, you know, kind of approaches the kid. And then the parent quietly leaves the room um, and then the parent returns and comforts the child. And the reason why they did these different situations was to see how the child reacted to the parent being in the room. And then how the child reacted when a stranger came in the room. And then what happened when the kid was alone without the parent. And then how easily soothed were they when the parent came back. And for children who they believed were securely attached, the child would, when the parent was in the room, would float around and play and do its thing. When the stranger came in, you know, maybe they come back to the attachment figure. But, you know, for the most part, they were okay. And then when the parent left the room, you know, they got upset, popped off. Where's where's my parent? Where's my parent? Um, and then when the parent came back, they were easily comforted. That's how they were trying to show, you know, secure attachment and what that looks like. Now, that specifically is for secure. But if you find that, you know, there's attachment with a parent that is some of the other attachment styles we're going to talk about, um, then you notice that there are different changes in the child. Like perhaps instead of the child being easily soothed, they're not easily soothed and they continue crying. Or perhaps when the parent comes back, they actually ignore the parent and don't go to the parent. So it just depends on how warm and caring your attachment figures are growing up that allows you to be able to move about in the world in in a positive or negative way. Like it really, those first five years of our, our lives are highly important, not just in, you know, teaching morals and all those things, but how we connect to other people in those first five years literally affects the rest of our life and how we attach to other people. So true. And I, I want us to get into the, the different types of attachment styles. But first, I want to just say, a lot like I've, I've said in the past here, we are not our attachment styles, right? We have attachment styles. Mm-hmm. These things can change over time. And as Dr. Katrina said, they can change from partner to part partner, situation to situation. So, you know, if, if, you know, as we're, we're going through this conversation or you take the quiz and you say to yourself, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm anxious or I'm avoidant or, you know, I, I wish I were, I wish I were one of these secure attachment styles. Don't think about it in terms of what you are. Think about it in terms of, of, of a style that you have. And if it's something that you have, you can let it go. You can change it. It's, it's not immutable. It's not who you are. It's something that you can work through. That's important. That's important to know. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Because I know in the past for me, in in this relationship now, I am secure. And certainly I I was also secure in my relationship with Queen B. But my relationship Mm -hmm. with ex-wifey was, ah, gosh, it was not secure. I, and I, I'm not really sure what it was. It might have been anxious by the time everything was ending. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and at the time, I remember thinking, oh, gosh, this is just who I am. Like, I can't mm. I can't be in relationships because I'm just messed up. You yeah. know, I, I, I just can't attach right. Um, but that's just not true at all. It really was. <laughs> it was a situation. Yeah. It was. And, and, and part of a, a, a goodly part of it was her and her anxious avoidant attachment style that I was bumping up against and having to be in relationship with. Right. And so. Mm-hmm that affected how I attached to her. And it's, it's, it's just, my attachment wasn't something that existed in a vacuum. It wasn't just me. And I didn't see yeah. that at the time right. until after I got into other relationships and found myself able to securely attach. Well, can mm. you imagine that? <laughs> right? Indeed. Mm. Indeed. Yeah. Yeah. Just depends on how the stars align with, with certain people. Right on how we connect with them. And and I've had the same experience, you know, being in a relationship with one person and thinking, what's wrong with me? You know, why can't, why is this such a struggle? Why is this attachment so hard? Right. And I think that's why, you know, I, I really enjoy the poly lifestyle because it gives me that opportunity that monogamy doesn't to be able to see that like, no, I am not this thing. I respond this way with this person. Right. And it looks different right. with other people. Oh, thank goodness. I'm not crazy. <laughs> Conversely, though. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean, if it's a situation where there's a theme mm. and you are the constant, yeah, then and that is also that an opportunity too. to examine yourself and your own behaviors. So, but, but I think that is actually a positive thing mm-hmm. about non-monogamy because it does give you that sense of uh, self-reflection that you would only have over a long period of time in right. a monogamous relationships. You kind of, mm-hmm. you're able to stack those situations and get some real time intel, you know, and feedback pretty quickly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Because if three people or two people are saying the same thing about you. Check in. Might be you. Might be. (laughs) Which is okay. Yeah. Because that's actually something that you can adjust and change and make different. If it's within you, you can work Mm -hmm. on making that different if you want. But if it's outside of you, that's harder, right? Right. So that's a good thing. It's an opportunity. to notice that. It really is. And the the other thing I want to say quickly before we launch into the different uh, attachment styles, and this is going back to uh, a little bit what I was talking about in terms of my experience taking the quiz in the book was the monogamy bias. And I think Mm -hmm. at least my experience, and I don't know about you, Dr. Katrina, or the folks listening, but when... I tell people that I am non-monogamous, and certainly when ex-wifey and I were opening up our marriage, some of the feedback that we got was, yeah, that's, it's because you're avoidant. It's because you Hmm. have commitment issues. It's because, so it's, it's almost as if there is this bias against non-monogamy it's almost as if it's presumed that if you are someone who prefers non-monogamous relationships that you are somehow just an avoidant personality type right yeah and if you weren't avoidant then there's no way you would even consider this type of 
relationship configuration. And, and, and that, I think, is part of why some of these models are flawed, these, these quizzes mm -hmm. and, and just the whole model itself might be a little bit flawed. Um, so that's, that's my disclaimer as we launch into this. Like I'm, we're having this conversation, but I'm acknowledging that it may be, some of this may be problematic Oh, it in definitely is. The non-monogamous context. I mean, one of the questions I had to answer and attached was actually was a whole series of questions was if my partner was flirting with someone else, mm. I would feel relieved because that meant that they didn't want to be exclusive. I would feel jealous. I would feel and it's just like, well, I mean, I don't know. Are they cute? Like, I'm asking myself a whole other series of questions. Yeah. But so I don't know. I, I don't know um, if other people have dealt with that, that presumption and how they've dealt with it. Or, or maybe even if you're grappling with that presumption yourself as you are considering whether to open up your relationship or whether, you know, to, to be solo, non-monogamous. It's a, just an interesting yeah. question. Yeah, I mean, just <laughs> another disclaimer, anything we talk about that has to do with psychology is often very biased. It's biased when it comes to relationship styles, so it's usually monogamous, it's heterosexist, it's it's sometimes homophobic. You know, that is unfortunately the base to a lot of our stuff. And, That's a good and point. as we move through these things, as we change as a culture, then that gives the opportunity for, you know, people in my generation who are in psychology to start changing things, to start doing different research, to start including different populations of people. Because, you know, in this society, a lot of the research, one, is done with, for, and by European people, white people. And so for some reason— we feel like we can extrapolate the experience of white culture to all of these other people of color. And that stuff's not correct. You can't do that. We all come from different backgrounds, right. you know, so, so that, that's just the thing. Right. Um, so know that when you're looking at stuff, um, when you're reading books, when, when you notice, Hey, this doesn't fit my experience, you know, that means take that information and then do your own research and figure out what works for you and how to navigate it. And I'd also include the gender binary in there as well. Absolutely. All right. those things. Right. Um, but yeah, okay. So attachment styles. After all of that. <laughs> now that we're off of our soapbox for a second, um, let's, let's, let's talk about attachment styles a bit. So here's the thing. There are several prominent researchers who have talked about attachment and you might see different names for some of these attachment styles but the ones that we're going to do today are ones that you know are pretty widely known so just just know that if you see it somewhere else name somewhere else you know it, it's they're still kind of talking about the same thing um, so we have fearful avoidant attachment so this one is you know maybe you're hot and cold with people uh, sometimes maybe confused about how you feel towards other people. That's a possibility. That's the same as the anxious avoidant that I mentioned earlier. Is that the same thing? Or is that something different? 
Uh, there's a, also an anxious preoccupied. Mm. See, that's why I was like, uh, it could be different depending on who's writing the information. Right, right. Um, so just know that. Just most of the time, you know, look at the description. What does it say? And then see if you connect with that or not. Um, but a, a fearful avoidant, you know, flip-flopping, kind of hot and cold, right? Come um, here and now go away. Yeah, yeah. There it is. I mean, yeah. pretty mm-hmm. much. Mm-hmm. Um there's anxious, preoccupied, and, you know, that's more being afraid that other people are going to leave you, that other people are going to pull away, um, you know, and, and then that leads you to want to seek more closeness in relationships. Somebody pulls away, and so you run after them. You know, that kind of, have you ever experienced that kind of style with somebody where you're like, right. I need space, and they're like, but no, don't go. Right. That's what you're seeing right. is, is sort of that anxious, like, oh, please don't leave me kind of right. thing. And then dismissive avoidant, um, you know, do you find yourself sort of being pressured in relationships um, and often craving independence and freedom, you know, just wanting to, feeling shackled. Those are the people who feel like, man, I feel really I need space. Exactly. I need space. Exactly. Um, And then there's secure attachment, which is what we talked about before, where, you know, you communicate your feelings and you feel, you know, pretty connected to people and you don't always think that other people's feelings and behaviors are because of you. And that that's the one we all want to be able to move towards, at least to some degree, is can we feel securely attached really to ourselves enough and grounded in who we are and what we want to be able to then interact with other people and know that their behaviors don't equal a deficit in us. Mm, yeah, that that part. That's, That's the key. hard part. Yeah. And I have certainly been in relationships where that has been the situation. And that, 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 was, that was the situation with ex-wifey. Where, I, I, don't, I forget which one you, what, what term you use, but it was the come here, now go away. That mm-hmm. one? Yeah. So that that was her attachment style. And then in response to that, I was very, I think I was very anxious. Yeah, because of course. I, it's it, unpredictable. It was unpredictable and it felt like it was um, my safety and security was always under threat. Mm-hmm. And so I was very preoccupied with what was going on and how she felt and what this meant and what was happening next and yeah and and that type that that sort of push pull had me feeling really crazy like I couldn't I, I couldn't self regulate I, I had a very difficult time keeping steady <laughs> in light of that yeah um and. So yeah, it, it was when she was in her now go away cycles. That's when I was like, oh, I gotta, I gotta come harder. <laughs> right. I gotta. Yeah. She's pulling away. I gotta, I gotta bridge that space between us. Mm-hmm. And then once I caught up to her, and like got close, you know, sometimes it would be, you know, she'd push me further away. But sometimes, you know, she would embrace me. Yeah. And it's and I wouldn't always know which one I would get. Right. But then the really fun ones were when she was like, "Come here, come here," and then as soon as I got close, it was like, "Now you're too close." <laughs> like I, hmm. you, you don't, you don't make me feel sexy. Oh, now you're coming on too strong, and it's like, whoa, where's the? 
<laughs> right. Ah, can you tell me exactly how to thread this needle? Like, I don't know. And it's that feeling of walking on eggshells. Right. With someone. Yeah. Um, that was hard to sustain. And that's also why my parting ways with Queen Bee was so abrupt. Because she started showing signs of that. And I was like, oh, mm. no. No, I know yeah. I don't deal well with that. I mean, I think I could probably deal better with an avoidant or an anxious style better than the mix of the two. Because that just feels yeah. like chaos to me. Like, come close, go away. Um, it just feels like you're just never able to do anything right, regardless of what it is. Yeah. Whether it's I, you're saying I love you too much or you're not saying I love you enough, it's going to be wrong. <laughs> I can't. That's highly stressful. Can't do it. And that dynamic that you're describing happens in a lot of relationships where one person is like, come here, go away. Mm -hmm. And the other person is like, oh, okay, come here. Yeah. And and the person's like, back up. <laughs> you're too close. Again, plot for every rom-com. Right? The, the, these mm. are the narratives. Yeah. 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 And that, that gets crazy making. It gets confusing. And it causes a lot of it causes a lot of difficulties in relationships. Obviously, right? That's highly understated. Right. But I'm sure many of you out there have had that experience where right. you're like, "Man, I I just keep coming closer, and they keep pushing me away." Well, part of that pushing away is when you get that close, whether it's physically or emotionally. There's vulnerability that comes up there, and when you fear vulnerability or you fear getting closer to someone. You push them away because it feels so uncomfortable. Mm. Maybe you don't know what's happening internally with you or how you feel or what you need. And so the easiest thing to do is to push away. That's think a really about good it. Insight. Yeah. Think about it as like a dog. If, you, if a dog is hurt and it's in a corner and you corner it and you come after it, it's going to attack because it feels unsafe. And it's, you know, so it's like, hey, get away from me. It, mm. it lets you know with one little nip. You need to stay back. Right. And that's sort of what's happening is that, you know, people with that particular attachment style wind up feeling backed in a corner. And when you feel backed in a corner, you want to get out. Hmm. Yeah, that's, 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 a, that's a good insight. I'm filing that away and in the front of my mental filing cabinet for the next time. And yeah. speaking of the next time, and we, we had a brief discussion earlier you know, as I, again, was prepping for this episode and thinking about attachment styles and how to use this as a tool in my mm -hmm. relationships, I started to think, you know, I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not ready to date anybody seriously right now yet. I'm still trying to work through what happened with Queen Bee yeah. uh, and heal from that. But I'm thinking for my next relationship, how do I want to start thinking about do, do or do I want to start thinking about their attachment style right from jump? And do I want to weed out folks who I've determined don't have a secure attachment style? Yeah. Or, or do I, you know, let the relationship progress and just understand like, okay, well, if they're not securely attached, well, then I, I know I need to engage these other, other set of tools to manage them and their attachment style? Or do I just say to myself, no, nah, fuck it. I'm not dealing with you unless you're able to securely attach and that's it. And, and mm -hmm. is it even possible to do that from jump? Hmm. Well, you know, I think it's 
possible to do that. You can sort of see in a few weeks how someone might be um, attached in some way. You know, the thing about it is I I can understand if you're like, nah, I don't want to go through this again. Like this was too hard, this back and forth, this particular attachment style. But, you know, we talked about earlier that attachment styles can change based on who you connect with. So perhaps someone who comes to you with an avoidant attachment style because of the way that you care for them, you know, could make changes that feel better and support themselves and you, right? Okay. That is a good point. And I have two follow-ups based on that. First, I want to know, you said you can tell, you can start to tell in a few weeks. Of course, my follow-up is how, (laughs) right? What are we looking for in those few weeks, those first few weeks, you think, that would, you know, start to give us a hint about what this person's attachment style might be? Yeah. Well, you know, so when I was describing some of the attachment styles earlier, you can look at those things. Like, do you see someone as hot and cold? You know, do they text you all day one day? And then the next day, nothing, or the next few days, nothing, you know, and you check in with them and they've been like, oh, I've been doing nothing. You know, that's sort of a, a way to sort of tell, you know, as things progress, you know, and you all start getting closer or seeing each other more. Do they start pushing you away? Do they pull you in closer? Are they like, hey, are you hanging out with somebody today? What are you doing? You know, how are they responding to you as well? You know, just paying attention to some of those things. And if you really feel like it, go online or get the book that Eli mentioned. You look at each of the attachment styles. There's more descriptions out there. And you can really, you know, if this is super important to you, you can really look at these different characteristics and see if you see those in other people. However, you know, I find that to be difficult because depending on what people are, where people are in their lives, or what's happening with them in their life, you might see something that actually doesn't pertain to their attachment style. It might just be that, like, their grandmother died, you know, mm, a, sure. a few months ago. Sure. So just something to keep in mind. But I I also, I, you know, I joked with Eli when we were talking about this before, but I was like, you know, when you start dating someone, have them take an attachment quiz, you know, and it was it was half joking. But, but also, you know, why not? Why not do that earlier? Here, here's an attachment quiz. Let's see what you get. Here's what I got. Let's talk about what that looks like and how we have behaved before in relationships and what things we would like to be different with this one. Mm. But that's difficult because when you first start, when you first meet someone, you're not necessarily wanting to like get that deep. Right. But I also think, you know, I'm the type of person who, when I first meet someone, I don't know if it's because the person I am or I'm a therapist, but instead of like, hey, how are you doing? What's your job? I'm like, how'd you get along with your mother growing up? You know, know? so I'm the type of person who would do that. Um, (laughs) But if that's not your style, (laughs) that's okay. And you can just look at the attachment styles yourself. Um, You know, and if somebody seems cool enough, Maybe even though their attachment style is a little bumpy for you, that you still want to connect with them. So, you know, it just depends. But I I hear you. I understand in wanting to avoid falling into those things again. Yeah. Yeah. I I really do want to avoid falling into those (laughs) things again. But, you know, as I was reflecting, I feel like I've made a lot of progress because I was in a marriage 
with an attachment with someone who had an attachment style that didn't work for me for I don't know a decade and I was Mm -hmm. able to cut 10 years down into four weeks this time you know okay so yeah that's a lot of improvement I feel like that is a lot of improvement yeah, Good I'm going to give myself like yeah. pop my collar on that. You definitely should. <laughs> but, you know, and, but still I and, and part of I, I guess this reaction is just still feeling a bit wounded and just not wanting to be wounded again, which as I'm reflecting on it might be a bit avoidant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, a little bit. <laughs> it's understandable. Mm. You know, there's you, you've had some experience in the past that hasn't yeah. been good. And that brings me back to my other question for you. When you said, uh, and and correctly so, that people's uh, attachment styles will vary with time and vary partner to partner. And if I get on the apps and I match with someone and I determine, ooh, this person might be anxious or, or preoccupied, I think was the term that you used, and you you mentioned that it might be possible through the relationship that I have with this person that I might be part of helping that person shift to a different attachment style. And I want to talk a little bit more about that. Okay. You know, are there, and I know this, this is going to vary differently depending on the person's style um, and their partner's style, but are there general things that you can do as a partner to help someone get to a more secure attachment style? Hmm. That's a hard one because I, I don't want people to think that you can change someone. Fair. Yeah. Um, because it really is up to that person True. for them to be aware and make the changes necessary if mm-hmm. they see fit. Um, but by being you, by loving them, by supporting them in the way that you do and in ways that are securely attached, you can show a different way of being. That doesn't necessarily change that person's attachment style. They're going to have to do that work on their own, but you can support in it, especially if the person is open to hearing your reflections of what you see Mm. on the outside of them. Mm. You know, some people feel like you're pointing fingers and it's their deficits that you're pointing out. Right. Um, which is unfortunate because I think our partners are some of the best people to be able to reflect the the difficulties that are happening with us, the, you know, the not so great behaviors that we show and the things that trigger us. Right. Um, but I think, like I said, just by being you and loving right. them in a particular way and honestly having open communication, that's why I think it's a joke, but not to have somebody take an attachment quiz up front. You know, because it's like, okay, let's see where where we're starting at. And you're starting here. I'm starting here. How can we bridge that gap? Right. Or should we? Or should we? Yeah. That's another thing. The answer might be no. (laughs) Um, And I'm reflecting on something that you said in a previous episode. I think it was on jealousy when you were talking about that four-year-old that's reacting, you know, sometimes when we're emotionally triggered. And... I think with some of these attachment styles, especially with um, the preoccupied, you know, the the ones that are like I, that fear abandonment, mm-hmm. I, I think that sometimes those partners tend to come off as needy 
as the four-year-old throwing the temper tantrum. Mm. And it's tempting to react to, like, the needy partner, especially if you're somebody more on the avoidant end of the spectrum, right? Mm. It's, it's tempting to want to just really hard stiff arm that needy partner because yeah. you're starting their fear of abandonment is triggering your fear of being uh, enveloped <laughs> in such a way mm-hmm. that you know it, it's like um it's like fire and ice it's just not you, you guys aren't going to be it's not going to be easy together yeah and I feel like those two attachment styles in particular there tends to be a lot of uh like piss and vinegar a lot of rancor uh how do you ever have clients come into your office that have that profile and how do you advise them to how do you advise them to get through that particular dynamic because i mean maybe they're otherwise compatible but mm-hmm. or or really are they compatible if their attachment styles are so divergent so how do you how would you advise a couple like that yeah you know I really dislike the way that we look at the word needy in our society mm. because what's wrong with having needs? And at some points in our lives, we need extra things because right. we're not feeling good. We don't feel grounded. We don't feel healthy. We don't feel loved. And I do see a lot of couples where that dynamic is happening. and. You know, the difficulty is being able to have these conversations because many of us really struggle to be able to communicate what we're feeling, what we need, what's happening with us. We don't have as much of an awareness about what's going on with us. And that's why some of this stuff explodes. Right. Think about it. If even if you had one of these attachment styles that that isn't secure, if you were secure in yourself, if you knew that you were okay, that this person, them pointing these things out or them reacting this way isn't about you, you know, not letting the external rock you so much. If if most of us were able to be there, which most of us aren't because society is constantly barraging us with crap, right? But that's why it's so important to make sure you take care of yourself and work on self-care so you can be grounded in you so that if you wind up in a dynamic like this, if you have a partner that is super needy, instead of pushing them away, you can take a second and maybe have a conversation like, hey, do you know what you need right now? As opposed to being fearful of the need and not right. wanting to be vulnerable What's going on with you? Are you okay? What do you need? And you don't have to necessarily provide that need. You know, maybe there's something you can remind them of their self-care to take care of themselves to have that need. Right. Um, and, And then what do you do when you're the person who's the who's the needy, quote unquote, needy person? Like, what do you do then? Because your partner keeps pushing you away. Right. Well, for that person, you know, if conversation doesn't doesn't help if awareness doesn't help then how do you get those needs met elsewhere that's why the poly stuff is really interesting right and really cool because okay you got a partner that has this attachment that pushes you away 
You know, if you can do your best to not take that personally and get that need met somewhere else, not necessarily with someone else, but get that need met somewhere else, whether that is getting a petty, getting a massage, just taking care of yourself, laughing, you know, smiling, doing affirmations, whatever it is, if you can find a way to get grounded in you, then you might be able to find that when you have a partner that's having some of these more difficult styles, that you can be supportive, but also not as affected. But again, with what you said earlier, Eli, maybe you don't want to do all that. And that's okay. Yeah. It really is. Yeah. I, I'm definitely a fan of keeping it simple. Um, <laughs> I, I have friends, God bless them, who struggle through relationships you know, the, 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 that particular relationship style in particular, the, yeah. the person who is preoccupied and the, the I need space meets the please don't leave me seems to be really common. I'm not sure why. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, maybe, I, I don't know. I'm not even going to speculate as to why that is. It doesn't matter. But I don't, it, it, I struggle to have patience. For them because yeah. I'm just like this isn't working what are you doing you're both miserable stop it yeah. just go your other go your opposite ways find somebody who has an attachment style that works for you what are you doing um but that that's me that's yeah. my bias um and I'm I'm gonna think about that I'm gonna think about how I'm going to approach my next partner's attachment style you know I, I don't know yet this this is all just theoretical for me at this moment. But I do want to circle back to something that you said about the needy thing. Mm -hmm. And that resonated with me because I think, especially in this country, in this in this like Western culture, there is a huge bias against being codependent. Right. And yeah, being codependent is, you know, not always a great thing, but being interdependent is necessary for survival. Like human survival, we need to depend on each other. And yeah. there are several studies where, where the, you know, big head scientists have looked at the impact on having a loved one present on a person's blood pressure, on how they mm -hmm. perceive pain. And, and there, there are actually MRI studies where they're looking and seeing what parts of the brain, yeah. you know, are activated when we're in close proximity or touching or even thinking about mm -hmm. a loved one. We are hardwired to need each other, mm -hmm. right? Otherwise, attachment theory wouldn't be a thing. Right. We wouldn't need to attach, but we need to attach to survive. We, we have certain needs and we're not able to meet all these needs by ourselves. No one is. Yeah. No one's an island. And for me personally, that's something that I struggled with for a while. Mm. I, I, I mentioned that the yeah. girl had been gone for three months or a little bit longer on that, like a road trip. Yeah. And it was hard for me. And there was one morning, it was actually my birthday, which is fucking tragic. It was my birthday and I had a dream and I dreamt that she was in bed next to me. And I woke up with this sense of like hope Aww. and I like reached out Yeah. and she wasn't there. And I just like, yeah. like fell apart, just fell apart. 
and I fell apart because she wasn't in bed. And then I fell apart because I fell apart. And I felt like the world's biggest, like, idiot for, for needing her in that moment, right? Aww. But, you know, I'm human. Yeah. <laughs> I'm human and I need people. And I'm attached to her. Right. And that attachment doesn't necessarily mean that it's a codependent attachment. And so I'm wondering if you could, for a moment, you know, talk about the difference between a secure attachment and a codependent attachment. Hmm. Yeah, those are, they're completely different. I would hope so. In my opinion. (laughs) Um, You know, secure attachment is, you know, also being grounded in yourself, right? And Mm -hmm. knowing that even if you didn't necessarily have this person here in this way, that you could still move about the world and be good versus um, codependency, feeling like you need this person to survive. Right. And, you know, you're right. We're social beings. We want to belong. We live in communities for a reason. You know, it takes a village. It literally takes a bunch of people to be able to do all of these things to make things work well. And so, you know, when we have those experiences like you did when it's like, oh, man, you know, I miss my boo. I really could use a hug or something. That's freaking normal. Of course we need hugs. And like you said, there's neuroscience that shows that when we're around the people that we love, when we have care, we do better, we feel better. When you're around people you love, the the um, oxytocin, the love hormone is pumping. That makes us feel good. Your serotonin is pumping, which affects your mood, affects aggression, it, it, it affects sex, it affects all of these behaviors, right? And so being around other people supports our well-being. Right. And, and interestingly enough, you know, I've had a lot of conversations about people feeling lonely, especially now during the pandemic, and not having anyone around has actually really been fucking with people. Yeah. Which is understandable. But also this, you know, it allows for an opportunity to see what it's like being alone and what stuff comes up for you. You know, what what triggers you? What makes you upset? Do you actually really hate being alone? And if you do, why? You know, what happens when you're alone? What happens in your head? You know, do you feel bored? What are all the things that go down? Um, and, and I find that to be really important in being able to attach well to other people is really knowing what's going on with you. Um, and, you know, sometimes it can be difficult dealing with your attachment styles, right? Whatever that winds up being, whether you're secure, preoccupied, anxious, any of them. And so, you know, if you really want to sort through what's going on with you, start asking yourself some questions. Like, when do you notice the tendency to feel anxious, Mm -hmm. to feel avoidant, you know, to feel insecure or secure? When does that come up? Journal on that. Write it down. Pay attention. Be an investigator. You know, what are your needs with your partner? What needs aren't being met? What, What happens when you ask for your needs met with your partner? You know, all of those things are really important. What triggers what's happening with you? What triggers the anxiety? What triggers the avoidant tendencies? You know, how, 
how do people, how, how does that affect you? And then what behavior change do you think can help shift those tendencies? And some of these questions are hard. Maybe you need to talk to a friend. Maybe you need to talk to a therapist. But know that it's okay to need other people. You know, don't let anyone make you feel bad for having a need. We need things. And I'm not talking about materialism. I'm right. not talking about I need those new pair of Nikes. You know, I'm, I'm talking about I need a hug every now and then. I would love a kiss right now. You know, it'd be nice to just sit and watch Shit's Creek with somebody for for a few hours, which is what I did recently <laughs> with one of my best friends. That's dope. And it was awesome, <laughs> yeah. you know? Yeah. Yeah, sometimes that's just what the doctor ordered, um, literally. <laughs> <laughs> but I, as you, as you were talking, I mean, that, that process is in terms of investigating what your triggers are and, and really leaning into yourself, that is what I did after ex-wifey and I separated. Mm, mm -hmm. It was a good year and change before I dated anybody seriously. I mean, you know, I had my friends, okay? Yeah. I had my little little trysts, but nothing, nothing that lasted longer than two and a half months, very intentionally. I would mm -hmm. actually intentionally break up with people at the six-week mark because that's when I determined that I would start catching feelings and I wanted to gotcha. disrupt that process. Yeah. But in that time, what I was doing was that investigatory work. Yeah. yeah. Like what happened? Like doing that postmortem, like what happened there in that past relationship? What, you know, what did that bring up for me? What do I want to be different about myself mm -hmm. or what do I want to be different about the next time? And and I really, I mean, not I think, I know I healed my attachment style. I had two quizzes yeah, good. and two partners tell me so. Yeah. And also myself, the way I feel is different. I don't feel preoccupied by my relationship. I don't feel like if she's upset, it has to be about me. Mm, mm -hmm. um, I don't spend a lot of time worrying or wondering about what's happening with us or about what she's thinking about. I mean, I think, you know, I think about, I think about her, I think about yeah, our relationship, but I feel like I have a lot more bandwidth now than I did in my marriage. And that okay. to me is a really good indication that my attachment style has healed. I mean, it's probably still in the process of healing, but it is, it, it is healed to a substantial amount. And, no, sorry. And, and, and part of that is also feedback from my partner, right? Because it's, yeah. it's the work that I did before I met her. And then also it's how she relates to me in the relationship. Yeah. And, and that makes me curious about some of the things that you think were helpful in helping you heal and move through that. It was time. Yeah. An excellent therapist. <laughs> and God, just looking at things that I didn't want to look at, looking at things about myself that were cringeworthy mm -hmm. in a just unvarnished, honest way. It's just, I don't know how, I, I don't know how, how to put that yeah. other than no, I hear you. just looking at the ugly truth of myself <laughs> and confronting that and, and embracing those parts and not, and 
because I was beating myself up so much about feeling needy, right? right? And part of me had to let go of that and understand that, okay, yeah, I, I needed things. And I was very loud about expressing the need for those things because they weren't being met. And mm-hmm. that's also a very human thing. Like, right. okay, so I'm going to beat myself up for being human? No, I'm not. I'm just going to investigate that and figure out a better way to be human. <laughs> right. So, yeah. And, and it, it, it took a while. I mean, this was, we're, we're talking about a process of, of like two years or more, right? Yeah. It's not quick. It's not quick, but it's sure. It's, it's, it's once I, I feel like now that I know what, a secure attachment feels like mm-hmm. it's going to be easier for me now Absolutely. in other relationships. It is already yeah. easier for me in my relationships that are existing. You know, it's even me working on my attachment style has even helped my relationship with my mother. You know what I mean? Nice. It's, it's, it's working in all these other ways outside of just my romantic relationships. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. As, as, as well it should, right? Because once we start changing things within ourselves, you know, to move towards better functioning and better behaviors that serve us, then it's a domino effect yeah. and it does affect our other relationships. Yeah. And I, I think what's really important about what you said is dropping the judgment about who you are, about what you need, you know, about and whatever. What I'm capable of. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Whether that that is you restricting yourself and what you're capable of or you seeing your ability to do things as higher than where you're at right now, right? It's true. Which yeah. we all are capable of doing better. We really are. I think some people feel like I can't do this, you know, I can't move through my depression. I can't get closer to this person. Well, the one thing that we often miss is the thing that needs to happen is that we need to change because we are the person who is in charge of your destiny is you. And to be able to move towards a positive destiny for yourself, especially when it comes to how you attach with other people in relationships, you need to know you. You absolutely have to know you to the core. You know, um, ancient Egyptians had this saying, know thyself. And the reason why they knew that so many years ago and why we still struggle to this day to understand it, you know, they knew that if you knew yourself, if you knew who you were, where you came from, what you needed, how you needed it, were aware of what happens to you when you don't get your needs met, if you knew that stuff, then very few things outside of you could knock you down, you know? And, and I like to, when I'm having a difficult day and I'm feeling very swayed by the external world, I like to visualize myself as a sequoia tree. Sequoias are super tall. I really just find them to be very fascinating. They've been around for a long time. They're super sturdy. And a tree is interconnected. So it just doesn't stand alone like people, right? A tree is connected to the earth. It is deep down in in the ground. It is affected by the rain. It's affected by wind. 
It's affected by people. But they don't often fall unless something really serious happens, right? So I picture myself as a tree because if I'm rooted like a tree, then the stress of this world, the difficulties with relating to other people, the racism, the discrimination, the oppression, all of that stuff has a lighter effect on me when I feel rooted in who I am. Hmm. That's deep. <laughs> and I'm, I appreciate that. I'm going to use that. I'm going to use that, yeah, that vis- visualization. Uh, and that, that seems like a good place to, to wrap that portion up for the day. Um, I, I understand that attachment, this is a continuing conversation. Mm-hmm. We'll probably revisit this again on future episodes. We want to hear from you. Hit us up on Instagram, on our Facebook page, um, at loveandcolorproductions.com. You could send us an email. We want to hear from you how you have dealt with um, healing your attachment styles or if you have questions perhaps uh, in terms of dealing with your different partners and their attachment styles. We'll, we, as always, love to hear from you. Um, and... Speaking of hearing from you, you're going to hear from me right now. <laughs> uh, this, is, this is the portion of the show where we amplify um, groups and, and different uh, marginalized communities. And today, I want to just get on my soapbox for just a half a minute here. The last two months have been difficult for uh, a number of reasons for me. And just personally. And... I have had to navigate those difficulties against the backdrop of some very aggressive white supremacy. And I'm tired. I am just bone tired. Mm -hmm. In the last two months, I have had a situation at Fright Night with my daughter, with a group of aggressive teenagers that I, uh, uh, aggressive, racist, homophobic teenagers, and I had to fight to hold space myself and the other black kids in, in, in the vicinity by myself. I had an altercation with some folks at a Sounders game and shouts mm. to my friend Kells for holding it down and, and helping me and my other brown friend hold space in that moment. And I say the moment, it was the entire game. Mm-hmm. My nephew was suspended from school uh, after standing up for himself, after being called the N-word repeatedly. Mm. And I assure you that child will not be saying the N-word ever again without thinking twice and three times and four times about it. (laughs) Shouts to you, nephew, for holding it down. And then last and certainly not least, my mother... On, what was it, on November 2nd, and I'm, I'm giving specifics, because if anybody who was in this store at that time was listening, I, I, I want you to know. So this was on November 2nd at the Apple Store on Northern Boulevard in Manhasset, Long Island. My mother was verbally accosted by a customer and then elbowed in the ribs in a store full of people, uh, and no one did 
anything, wow. including the security guard who saw, including the person behind the Apple counter. Mm. So, white America, I have two words for you. I want y'all to listen very carefully. And those two words are do better. Okay? I didn't say be better. Because I know a lot of y'all listening are probably thinking to yourselves, and correctly, well, I'm not racist. I would never do anything like that. And that's great. But I tell you what, when I was in line for Fright Night fighting for myself and my child, when I was at the Sounders game, when my nephew got suspended, when my mother got elbowed in the ribs, I can tell you right now, none of us gave a goddamn what you felt. What we care about in those moments is what you do. And if you do nothing, you are part of the problem. And I understand well. if not everyone is a hothead like me and is willing to, you know, <laughs> have an hour and a half fight <laughs> with a group of six overprivileged kids. Okay, not, that, that's fine. Not everyone has to do that. Yeah. But what would it cost you in that moment to say, I see what happened to you. Are you okay? Because my mother mm. left that Apple store with sore ribs and felt invisible. It would have taken all of 30 seconds for someone to say, man, that was messed up. Are you okay, ma'am? That's it. What yeah. would that have cost anybody? And, and sure, her ribs still would have been sore, but she wouldn't have left that store feeling like she wasn't a person that, that was worth seeing or caring about. Yeah. So Heard. for Amplify today, what I'm going to say is do better. And if any of those stories pissed you off, I want you to get on our website, donate to one of those organizations in our Amplify section, or, you know, or, or maybe if you don't have the resources to donate, that's fine. What I am going to ask, however, is that, you know, instead of being on your phones, liking all these cute little things on Instagram, maybe put your phone down and look at what's happening around you. And when you see somebody being accosted at a Sounders game, or when you see a black woman being uh, elbowed in the ribs, or when you see a black child being mistreated, you tune in to what's happening in front of you and use your privilege to do something even if it's just to acknowledge the person in that moment, okay? So if you want tips on how to be an ally, there's a big pro tip for you. If you want any other tips, feel free to reach out to us at Love & Color Productions. We'd be happy to offer some resources for you. Absolutely. I am really sorry to hear that that has been the last few months for you. But you, you know what is interesting is that I imagine that those aren't the only things that you dealt with. Those oh, are just no. some of the, those the are just key the bigger things. Ones. And this is just a daily thing that black people in America deal with. And it is frustrating. And you're right, Eli. Do better. Yeah. Please do better. You, you're, you, everyone is capable of doing better. I'm not calling anybody out. I'm calling you in. Mm, I okay? like that. You are capable. Let's, let's do it. So with that, I'm going to drop the mic and say <laughs> I hope you join me, join us next time. I think we're going to be able to get Chris back in the booth. We're going to be talking about 
breakups. We're starting our whole breakups series. I will be in here with ice cream and <laughs> tissues. Okay, we're gonna have our, our breakup playlists. We're have everything on it. point and ready for y'all. And, and another quick announcement before I turn y'all loose. Uh, our final episode of this season is going to be uh, about six episodes from now, and it's going to be a question and answer episode, listener powered. So these are going to be your questions. So take this opportunity to reach out and, you know, if you have a, a thorny relationship situation or you have a question about attachment styles or jealousy or, or even if you have some... Um, uh, ideas for future topics you want us to cover, reach out. We'd love to hear the tea. Absolutely. Appreciate everybody out there for listening. And, um, you know, check in on our next episode on breakups. Yeah. And we'll see you then. And until next time, live in love and color, y'all. <laughs>